Shalom, shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original language as a guide. If you've never read through the Bible before, this is a really good way to connect all of the dots and help you understand the true story of the Bible. Because to be honest, most people get confused and they don't even understand what it's talking about until their eyes are opened. So it's a really awesome book full of so many promises and truth from our Father. And so today we are in Joshua chapter 21, reading from the New King James Version Bible. And I pray the Father just opens our eyes, ears, and hearts to more beautiful truth in his word. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eliezer the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads to the fathers' houses, I'm sorry, to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, Yahweh commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of Yahweh these cities and their common lands. Because remember, when Jacob was angry, way back in Genesis, he cursed Levi and Simeon. Now Simeon's portion of land was within the tribe of Judah, so they really did kind of get swallowed up. But they kept their identity and do have an inheritance. And if you read Ezekiel chapter 40 to the end, you'll see in chapter 47, there's a portion for them. But Levi really didn't get a portion, but they got something so much greater. Yahweh became their portion. However, they still needed a physical place to live, physical places to live. And so from you're going to see now these cities that were given to them to dwell in because the curse from Jacob made it so that basically they they were they lost their identity. They didn't truly have a dwelling. But then they got so much more, they got Yahweh. So we've talked about that a few times, but just you can go back and read that, um, listen to that episode and read along if you have not yet done so. Okay, verse 4. Now the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the children of Aaron the priest, who were of the Levites, had 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Simeon, and from the tribe of Benjamin. Now those, remember guys, those became the Jews, Judah, Benjamin, Levi, and Simeon. Okay, just remember that, some of Simeon. The rest of the children of Kohath had 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and from half the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the children of Gershon had 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh in Bashan. The children of Merari, according to their families, had 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben, from the tribe of Gad, and from the tribe of Zebulun. And the children of Israel gave these cities with their common lands by lot to the Levites. So by lot is just, it's a way that they just kind of said, Father God, please show us what your truth is. And they would, um, again, I should research this, but they would just draw, cast lots, draw lots, um, and say, you know, Father, show us which one is for which one. And they would put it in the Father's hands through his Holy Spirit. So just so you know, that's what they did. Um, but I am at, hmm, oh, I'm just going to read verse 8 again. And the children of Israel gave these cities with their common lands by lot to the Levites, as Yahweh had commanded by the hand of Moses. Okay, one more thought here. The common lands was the area surrounding the city where the livestock 
that belonged to the Levites could eat and graze and be taken care of. So just so that makes sense to you. Verse 9. So they gave from the tribe of the children of Judah and from the tribe of the children of Simeon these cities which are designated by name, which were for the children of Aaron, one of the families of the Kohathites, who were of the children of Levi, for the lot was theirs first. Remember, from Aaron comes the high priest. Verse 11. And they gave them Kirjath Arba. Arba was the father of Anak, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah with the common land surrounding it. But the fields of the city and its villages they gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as his possession. So within Caleb's land, they gave a portion to the Levites, the Aaron's sons. Verse 13. Thus to the children of Aaron the priest they gave Hebron with his common land, a city of refuge for the man for the slayer, Libna with its common land, Jatir with its common land, Eshtemoa with its common land, Holon with its common land, Debir with its common land, Ain with its common land, Jutha with its common land, and Beth Shemesh, house of the sun, with its common land. Nine cities from those two tribes, and from the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with its common land, Geba with its common land, Anathoth with its common land, and that's where Jeremiah was from, remember? And Almon with its common land, four cities. All the cities of the children of Aaron, the priests, were thirteen cities with their common lands. Verse 20. And the families of the children of Kohath, the Levites, the rest of the children of Kohath, even they had the cities of their lot from the tribe of Ephraim. For they gave them Shechem with its common land in the mountains of Ephraim, a city of refuge for the slayer. Gezer with its common land, Kibzaim with its common land, and Beth Horon with its common land. Four cities. And from the tribe of Dan, Eltekeh with its common land, Gibbethon with its common land, Aijalon with its common land, and Gathrimon with its common land. Four cities. And from the half tribe of Manasseh, Tanakh with its common land, and Gathrimon with its common land. Two cities. All the ten cities with their common lands were for the rest of the families of the children of Kohath. Also to the children of Gershon, of the families of the Levites, from the other half-tribe of Manasseh, they gave Golan and Bashan with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer. And remember, we talked about that a couple chapters ago, where there was a place for the accidental manslayer to flee. Okay, that's what this is talking about. And Bay Eshtera with its common land, two cities, and from the tribe of Issachar, Kishion, and Ganim with its common land, four cities, and from the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its common land, Abdon with its common land, Helkath with its common land, and Rehob with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh and Galilee with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, Hamothdor with its common land, and Kartan with its common land, three cities. All the cities of the Gershonites, according to their families, were thirteen cities with their common lands. And to the families of the children of Merari, the rest of the Levites from the tribe of Zebulun, Yochneam with its common land, Karta with its common land, Dibna, Dibna with its common land, and Nahalal with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Reuven, Bezer with its common land, Yahaz with its common land, Kedemot with its common land, and Mepha'at with its common land, four cities. And from the tribe of Gad, Ramoth and Gilead with its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, Mahanaim with its common land, Heshbon with its common land, and Yazer with its common land, four cities in all. So all the cities for the children of Merari, according to their families, the rest of the families of the Levites were by their lot, twelve cities. All the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were forty-eight cities with their common lands, 
Every one of these cities had its common land surrounding it. Thus were all these cities. So Yahweh gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. Yahweh gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of their enemies stood against them. Yahweh delivered all their enemies into their hand. Nor not a word failed of any good thing which Yahweh had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Now do you notice here, when they speak in these hyperboles and these exaggerated forms, not a word failed of any good thing. And, but there were certain blessings that we know the children of Israel did not receive because of their, the, the sin. Um, and it says, all came to pass, and not a man of their enemies stood against them. Well, we know they were enemies of Israel. But what it means is that the enemies didn't prosper. And when in Hebrew it talks about, well, the Hebrew language, uh, they're very dramatic. We're very dramatic people. So everything we say is overemphasized, overdramatic. Look at Yeshua's parables. He's like, you must hate your mother and father to, to come, you know, to be worthy of my kingdom. Is he actually telling you to hate your mother and father? Well, no. It's, it's the way that they get your attention in the Hebrew language. And if you go over to Israel or if you meet some Jewish... I, you know, I was fortunate when we lived in Florida to, to get to know and meet a number of Israeli citizens. And just the charismatic, the, the over-the-top way they speak in nature about them is is it's you can see it when you understand the scriptures and so sometimes when they say all it doesn't mean all when they walked off the ark remember when they said all flesh is for you well he was not telling noah to eat your sons if they die and eat your children he wasn't talking about that kind of flesh he had already um, designated the clean versus the unclean when they went on the ark they took seven clean and two unclean so I mean, there's so many things just to think about. And it wasn't seven pairs of clean and two pairs of unclean. It was seven of clean and two of unclean actual. So just to make sure you note that. Um, the point being, make sure you understand the Hebrew culture and don't filter your Bible through the American Greco-Roman culture. Because we don't speak in the same way that a Hebrew speaks in America. So a Hebrew, uh, a Hebrew speaks, the Hebrew language is very circular, very encompassing. The noun is the verb is the adjective with just a little bit of a slight twist or placement in the sentence. Whereas when we look at the English language through the Greco-Roman mindset, we're very linear. We make analytical sense. Thus, when we see in the New Testament places where it says the Jews sought a sign and the Greeks sought logic, right? They wanted to understand, to proof, evidence. That's America. America needs proof and evidence. We're for the Greco-Roman mindset. And that's why I say we, because I live in America. But I'm. But then you have the other side where the, the Jews understand the, the, those in, um, Israelites have a high level of understanding. They understand things in a metaphoric, spiritual, symbolic way. They do have probably more spiritual insights than most people because not everything has to make linear sense. Logic isn't the ultimate test of truth with 
them, right? Logic, God, God's wisdom surpasses all man's logic. But they want a sign. They want that sign that the Greco-Roman wouldn't even, the Greco-Roman would just um, justify away or explain away the sign through certain scientific type evidence or so to speak, which isn't always factual. I mean, just a little side note, when I was in college, which I, I understand now, I never should have gone to college, but I did because we did not know, to, well, we did not follow Torah at the time. And my biology professor, <laughs> he had a student, um, you know, one of the student lab people grade all of the tests. And of course, my answers never fit with evolutionary theories. I always answered according to creationism. And I would get like horrible grades on the tests. But the next day after we received our test back, I would be in his office and I would end up with 100% on every single test because I could debunk and disprove every single one of his evolutionary theories. I could show him, you can't mark my answer wrong. I said, you can't because your faith in science is all based on, uh, you know, presuppositional hypotheses that have literally never been proved. You extrapolate it out over these, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Mount St. Helens disproved nearly everything of the evolutionary theory. It's a creationist dream come true, the Mount St. Helens explosion. It just, I mean, go look at the evidence that, that it proves for creationism and, and, how it just completely toppled so many evolutionary theories. But the point being, the Greco-Roman mindset, it rests very heavily on the science and they try to explain everything away. But the Hebrew, see, I'm a Hebrew. <laughs> my mind's going to be like, I can see loopholes in all of your logic. And my God defies that logic. But if I rest too much in the sign I'm looking for without just having the faith, and belief when the sign's not there, then I also won't see it, right? So that's what the New Testament talks about a lot. When um, the Greek, you know, when they say, hey, the Greeks seek a sign, the Jews, I'm sorry, the Jews seek a sign, the Greeks want, you know, these, this evidence, the factual logic. That's what it's talking about. So I just wanted to point that out. When you are reading this Bible, these are Hebrew Jewish people writing this, and not always Jewish, I'm sorry. So Joshua's an Ephraimite. These are Israelites writing this, and they understand how the Hebrew-Israeli mind thinks. That is why people get in trouble with the New Testament, because they try to twist some of Paul's writings in particular out of context, and they try to get him to say what a Greco-Roman mind would say, but Paul was a Benjamite Jew. He is very radical, very, very emotional, very emotive, very like wired. You can just see it in all of his stuff. He's like just, just a little, tiny little like Jewish zealot, you know, and that's what Jews are. They're very zealous. If you know a Jewish person, we are not complacent, apathetic, lukewarm people typically. We are zealous for life. We are zealous for our Yahweh. Um, so just make sure when you are reading your Bible, that you don't filter everything through the Greco-Roman mindset. You know, when if we were reading a book written by a Spanish author out of Mexico or even Spain, would not we have to understand 
the cultural context from what that writer was writing. Of course. So why do we not do the same with the Bible? And many of us do. I'm just saying, I'm pointing out the few people who, well, the massive amounts of people who don't. Anyway, food for thought, something to share with those you're trying to share with as well. Love you all. Have a super blessed night.